Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, I'm sure like me, many of you were watching the COP27 proceedings with a certain degree of bemusement. Frankly, it's continued to be a talk fest with lots of nodding and navel gazing, but very little done. The only notable accomplishment of this year's conference, which I feel pained to point out added to carbon emissions, was the establishment of the so-called Loss and Damage Fund, which aims to make economic reparations to the regions most impacted by climate change to date. It would seem that the fund is targeting climate-induced losses of just under $500 billion, for which, of course, the industrialised nations will foot the bill, though there appears to be no agreement on how all that's going to get split up as yet. Some smaller nations have tipped some coin into the hat, but the two biggest polluters, US and China, have yet to agree to contribute anything. But coming back to net zero, the UN Assembly previously agreed that to get control of climate change, we collectively needed to get to net zero by 2030. And by latest reports, we're still a very long way off achieving that. In fact, we're on track to increase carbon emissions by a further 10% by 2030 at this stage. And we're not leading the way in Australia by any means. In October last year, the Morrison government finally unveiled plans to reach net zero by 2050. And after all the talk for decades, less than half of Australia's biggest companies even have net zero plans in place. The fact is, though, that even as small independent brands, we still have a part to play. It's simply no good us throwing stones at the greenhouse. If it were as easy done as said, we wouldn't be in this position. So rather than merely urge everyone to play a part, I wanted to bring you something more practical today. So my guest is Richie Mulder, founder of Carbon Halo, an Australian startup helping to get SMEs like yours carbon neutral. In the show, I asked Richie to lay down some definitions for us so we can understand where our operations as e-commerce brands fit in the grand scheme of things and help plot a bit of a pathway to help you reduce your carbon footprint and start on the path to carbon neutrality and maybe even net zero. Listen all the way through because at the end, Richie gives us some free tools to get a baseline on where we're at now, which of course is essential to know before you try to make any improvements. So with that, let's start the show. Richie Mulder, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you've joined me today, Richie. It's it's great to have someone on the show who knows the ins and outs of this space and, and can help us paint a picture of what to do next. We're going to get deeper into what the various terms mean and how people can assess their footprint shortly. But maybe we could start by, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to start Carbon Halo in the first place. So we grew up in Wollongong, my co-founder and I, and um, we're avid surfers and uh, being down on the beaches down there, absolutely fantastic, right? So um, environmental and uh, nature is, is part of us. And as you grow up, you, you don't really think about it. We, we go and get our careers and we do our work. We were starting to do some fairly detailed uh, carbon assessment for uh, large corp- corporations. And we found it very, very difficult as a small business to, to follow suit. And I, I guess what kind of cemented it for us was that going back down to uh, Wollongong and seeing a lot of the erosion uh, around the beaches, there's something that's really happening there. And it, it's, it's silent. We don't see it. We don't um, hear it. And 
over time, when we when we look back, we find that there's there's all this erosion. The beaches are gone, and something really just has to be done. Um, so my co-founder and I, we we just thought, well, as a small business, we want to do something that's that's right and and good for the planet. And we just found it really notoriously difficult to do it and horrendously expensive. So um, the whole concept of Carbon Halo came up, and we thought, well, we've got to do something about this, and we've uh, built a platform to make climate action for small to medium businesses and individuals really simple but not diminishing the the need for detail and the way things are done and the integrity and, and the trust and things that people want to see so we've been able to put that together so that's kind of where we where we started off and over time we're we're improving we're we're developing we're using different technology to, to do things uh, and the roadmap forward is is also to embrace that technology to help um, as many people as we can great intro and and you know, I, I totally resonate with what you were saying there around around the beaches. Obviously, I'm from the northern beaches here in Sydney, and uh, you know, we've just been watching over the last few years as some kind of landmarks have been slowly disappearing uh, with you know with the erosion as well. And and I think we, you know, the last couple of years have de- in Australia, haven't they? They've definitely brought it home to a lot of people how extraordinary the weather conditions have been, and 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 I think it's finally given everyone a wake up call that this thing is real and we need to do something about it. So yeah, I totally hear you there, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've seen it up uh, particularly up in um, northern New South Wales and uh, in southeast Queensland, where where we are based now. And it does, and we're getting feedback from people that it's it is really, I guess, cementing into their mind that um, hang on a minute, we we do need to be taking action, otherwise this is just going to get progressively worse and worse. So when we come to talk about um, you know carbon neutrality and all the rest of it, perhaps you could break it down for us. Well, first of all, I suppose the big question which people uh, I think get confused about: what's the difference between net zero and being carbon neutral? It, there's a lot of terminology that people do get confused with. You've got climate positive, uh, carbon neutral, carbon negative, uh, net zero. There's a lot of things and and predominantly a lot of the stuff almost means the same, but there are slight differences. So to explain it a little bit, carbon neutral really focuses on where an individual or a business has first measured what their carbon footprint is. So they have to have an understanding of that and I I can explain that a little bit. Once they have that measurement they're then looking at the best ways that they can to reduce uh, the emissions and the pollution that they actually put out. Um, once they've done that, there's still a component that is left over in what we call unavoidable emissions. So those unavoidable emissions are then uh, offset into what we call carbon offsets or carbon credits as they're known. And by doing that, a business or an individual as well can be classified or categorised as being carbon neutral. Now, the point of being carbon neutral is it's not a one-off thing. It's something that needs to happen continually. So typically a business or an individual will do it every year and, and look at changes in lifestyle, changes in operation and whatever is left, they will then try and reduce the same thing and then offset. Net zero is a little bit different in that it means that a business or an individual is emitting zero emissions. So it's very, very difficult to get there. And in some in some cases, I think it's actually beyond impossible to get there. Uh, some technology does exist for manufacturing and things like that where they can capture CO2 before it actually gets released and then they can actually use that, those gases, so not necessarily just CO2, but all the other pollutants that are being released, capture them and then reuse that somewhere in the process. Now, doing that certainly can lead to being at zero because you're not emitting any uh, emissions, but it is very difficult. It's a really high 
benchmark to get. So I think it's going to be quite difficult to get there. Yeah. And I think it's virtually impossible for the vast majority of e-commerce brands anyway, simply because we simply don't have the control, the visibility of what happens in our supply exactly. chains. So so very, very hard. Okay. So, so we've established an objective, which is carbon neutral, not net zero. So that's cool. So obviously that indicates that we need to understand where we are today if we want to try and improve things. Yep. So how can brands actually begin to understand what their current footprint is? What do they need to do? Yeah, so really understanding what a carbon footprint is um, or their baseline measurement is knowing what it is the makeup of a carbon footprint. So essentially carbon in itself is just, it's found everywhere, right? So it's a backbone of uh, life here on earth. So we eat it, we use it for transport, we we play with it, We everything is is got carbon. And carbon is a, a molecule that is very flexible that binds itself to many different things. So you can have food, you can have diamonds, you can have a number of different things which are made of carbon. So why is this focus around carbon footprint? So the carbon footprint is really just a, a simplified term that represents a range of typically seven uh, different gases. And I won't bore you to go through them all, but it's essentially seven gases that make up the carbon footprint. So to understand what a carbon footprint is, is that first you need to understand the activity that your business or an individual is having. So how do we do that? So we've got to look at location, you've got to look at materials, you've got to look at uh, the products that you're purchasing, uh, the way they're transported in, the way they're used, the way they're disposed of, the waste that you, you have. So there is quite a range of activity that goes into measuring a footprint. Now, for a business to do that, it's very difficult. So how do you know where to go and say, okay, um, I've ordered a product from my manufacturer, it's come on a ship and it's arrived in the port and into my into my store. How do you know what type of ship, how much fuel it's used, what type of truck was used to deliver it to the depot, where it was given to you in your store, what packaging, and it becomes very, very complex. So there are tools and and things that we have built uh, to be able to help uh, businesses understand what their baseline carbon footprint of all their operations are. And carbon is separated into, or carbon footprint is separated into three key elements. One is, and I'll get a little bit technical, so I apologise for that. Uh, One is scope one, which is uh, the emissions that are directly related to the business operation. Uh, The second component is around emissions for scope two, and that is uh, primarily focused on emissions generated from purchased energy, typically electricity. And the most difficult one to tackle is what we call scope three. Now, scope three is your upstream and downstream supply chain, which is what we talked about before around uh, a a ship and and transport and things like that. So that's where the focus will be uh, heading is around understanding the scope three components and being able to measure that properly. So I guess once we have an understanding of that, and we can certainly help businesses do that, we will then provide a business a a report or a measurement which will outline where those emissions are. So they can have a look at that and say, all right, well, for an e-com business, um, most of my emissions come from transport, or they may come from packaging, whereas other businesses it might be energy or it might be uh, water use or it might be other things. So we can provide that to a business. And then we can look at them, uh, look at that area and say, look, how about we look at this from a different perspective? So for transport, is there a way that we can use lower carbon alternatives 
or can we avoid things or can we consolidate things? And typically a good rule of thumb for a small to medium business is wherever you're spending money is typically where the emissions are going to be. So understanding that up front, that kind of gives you an idea. Where you can save emissions normally results in a cost saving to the business. So, and that means by trimming things down, making things lean. And where you do that, that's where you get cost savings. So it's a benefit for a business to actually start looking at this uh, to begin with. We were just saying that uh, the other day on the show, in fact, that when you start to have a fresh look at your providers, at your service providers, at the people, you know, like the light fittings that you've got and those, you know, the, the energy rating on your on your white goods and all those sorts of things, generally speaking, not only will it be lower energy and therefore lower footprint, but actually it's probably going to be cheaper for you as well. So there's kind of a, a big win to be had in both here. But just coming back to scope one, two and three, because these are these are well-defined, uh, you know, and, and kind of publicized groups groupings of things but what does that mean can you give us some examples of what types of things fit into each for e-commerce brands so obviously you've mentioned scope three there being upstream and downstream supply chain so this is i'm assuming obviously we've got logistics in there we've got the delivery of products what about the actual manufacture of the product itself is that does that included in there it, it is correct in so much so as it depends on where it's actually manufactured so if it's manufactured here in australia so if you're purchasing uh, raw materials, you're bringing them into Australia and you're doing assembly and part of the, the manufacturing here, well, then that would fall under scope one. The manufacturing component would fall under scope one because mm. it's directly related to the business operation. Whereas if you're just buying product yep. and importing it and then you're putting it into your store and then online, then that is entirely scope three. So it does become a little bit technical yeah. where we've got to look at what we call boundaries. And when we talk about boundaries, it's around the business operation of where that operation starts and stops and that really dictates where scope one is and where scope three starts okay so what about things like you know the vast majority of e-commerce brands a lot of their operations actually focus on on the digital domain right so email marketing ad running ads all that sort of stuff do those things have carbon footprint and if so how do we include where do they get sort of accounted for yeah that's exactly right so typically your bandwidth and internet and things that you use um, that is normally uh, purchased from somewhere else. So that would actually fall under scope three. And it's understanding the quantity and the amount of uh, transactions and things that you do and the draw that you have on bandwidth. Uh, and what where we see that is, uh, in a classic case, is um, where people are using uh, cryptocurrencies and, and we've all heard of Bitcoin, right? So uh, it's very energy intensive because of the, the amount of power that a uh, units draw. And similar for uh, transactional services online so when we have uh, servers and we're hosting our site depending on how intensive your site is that will have a certain power factor around too so it'll have a draw on um, uh, on your service provider so that all gets factored into that as well so how do you actually help people in a practical sense to figure out where they are today before we can even talk about you know, offsets and improvements or that sort of, how do you, what does that look like, that part of the process? So what we try to do is make it really simple for businesses to get a, a high level estimate um, first off. And we don't want to scare people and that's not the idea. So uh, our site has um, an estimate calculator that only requires three inputs. Um, now, the way that works is that it will take uh, information from, let's say you select that you're in New South Wales, uh, and you're an e-com business and you put in the number of employees. 
it takes the national averages for all e-com and it will pull together the location by employee and it will then work out by business sector roughly what that footprint is. Now, this is very high level and we, we don't encourage businesses to say, okay, that's absolute, that's what my footprint is. It's really there as a guide and it's a starting point. The next step for that is that we then, um, if a business wants to take that further, is that we need customised data. So we need real business data, which includes uh, power usage, power bills, water bills. It'll look at packaging weights. It'll look at transport invoices. It will go into quite a lot of depth. So we, we need information from your accounting package. We will then put that into our proprietary calculators, which then draw on uh, national and global emissions factors, pull that information together, then to provide an overall footprint breakdown by uh, specific area and scope to calculate that uh, that carbon footprint for the business. That is then accurate to a point where if a business was to take that and look on, look at where they can reduce and then offset what's unavoidable, they could then classify themselves as carbon neutral. That kind of neatly covers off in scope one, maybe scope two, and part of scope three. What about what about the rest of the supply chain in terms of like you know the the footprint attached to the products that people make, the brands make as, as well? Is that included in that kind of assessment? Yeah. So um, there is what we call um, again. I'll reference some standards and and being a little bit technical. So what we provide and, and where the standards lies around the ISO. Uh, standards, so 14064, 14065, and 14067. So 14067 is related to product. So we have the capability to do uh, uh, build customised models for businesses to understand uh, for a product, and we've recently done it for uh, a business that uh, does point-of-sale display systems. And we've taken their information and the specifications of the product and we've gone all the way back to where the material, the base raw material is sourced, where it goes to a mill or to a manufacturing facility. We've gotten the information on the equipment that has been used to produce the product, the components of the product. We look at all the shipping, locations to and from, how it's delivered to Australia, where it is here, and then we look at how it's used. If, it, if, it, if there is a use where there's a battery component or electrical component, and then how it's actually disposed of, what components are recycled, and what components go to landfill. And then we will break that down and give a, a business uh, a footprint by unit of product. So uh, it can be uh, one item. It could be a plastic component. We can get it down to a point where we know that that component may be 0.9 of a kilo of CO2, or it might be three kilos of CO2. So that information then provides um, accurate uh, information for a business then to, then to quantify, okay, this is what the impact of my products are. And there's an opportunity then for that business to engage with customers to say, okay, well, if you purchase off us, we can either offset or make this purchase carbon neutral for you, or they can uh, involve their customer in that process and have them contribute towards having that product carbon neutral. And the end of that, because it could because it's all getting ISO level certification, presumably that means that the business, when it's all said and done, they're going to be able to go, yep, we can match the climate active, we are carbon neutral officially. Um, is that, that that's right, isn't it? Yeah, it's very close to it. Climate active in Australia does have one other additional requirement. So where or two additional requirements. So where offsets are used to um, lower the footprint 
it needs to meet certain criteria. Uh, and the second component is, is that Climate Active also require an independent consultant to then verify that the measurement and the inventories that are presented uh, meet their standard. So um, in the future, we're hoping to bypass all that. So we're looking at automating that um, in our roadmap later on, um, where you can put in all the information and we'll be Climate Active certified to certify everything automatically for you and away, away you go. So you don't have to engage consultants. Well, we, we love stuff that makes things cheaper and easier. So that sounds like a like no-brainer thing to develop. But you mentioned carbon offsets there in a minute. So what the heck is a carbon offset? How do they work? Yeah, good question. So we've talked about getting carbon neutral and then how we actually uh, get there is using some offsets. So carbon offsets um, are essentially what they call, or carbon credits, are certified projects that uh, have been quantified to meet specific criteria that they are either um, abating carbon, storing it, or they are removing it or reducing it from our atmosphere. So uh, an example of that, could be that there is a, um, uh, a forest that has um, is up for, for logging. There is a business that is looking to log it down, um, log the forest. And there is a project where um, community and that get involved and they stop that. That's essentially stopping um, logging. There is an element where that could be captured as uh, a certified project. Um, other projects are implementation of technology where you can actually draw um, CO2 out of the atmosphere and it's called direct air capture, where essentially the project just sucks in air, removes the CO2, um, uh, filters it out, and then pumps it back into uh, the ground into the uh, the long carbon cycle. Uh, and then there's other projects around renewables uh, and also reforestation. So where there has been uh, a lot of deforestation, there's projects around replanting those trees, protecting them, uh, and getting uh, getting those projects back up. So a project, uh, it's got to go through... Um, a fairly rigorous process. So it's not uh, like a business or a, a community can just say, all right, let's get a project together. And a couple of months later, yep, we've got carbon credits. It's nothing like that. Uh, it's probably about a two, two and a half year process to get a project quantified, certified and available through the carbon credit markets here in Australia and in other, uh, other parts of the globe. Typically, there are the, the predominant uh, and well-known industry bodies that verify these projects uh, are known as VERA or um, the Voluntary uh, uh, Verified Carbon Standard. And then you've got uh, UNFCCC, which is the United Nations Framework for Climate Change. Uh, there's Gold Standard. And in Australia here, it's a clean energy regulator for Australian carbon credit units. So they're essentially um, the areas of... Uh, uh, I guess, certification for uh, projects, how we pick those, um, we take it, take it the next step further and that uh, we don't just pick projects that will uh, remove CO2. Um, we look for projects that have some community benefit or what they call co-benefits. Okay, so I think from, through your platform, uh, you actually work with a number of projects and then you, that, you make it then very easy for brands that you're working with to offset any any difference, but essentially anything that they can't change themselves. Um, so how do you go about, how do you go about picking those projects? And and is there, is there some projects that are better for certain brands than others or, or does it, does it not matter? Yeah, that's right. So we have a range of different projects, uh, some in Australia, um, 
some over in uh, Canada, some in the Netherlands, in Europe, um, and in the Amazon, and a couple of different other areas. But the criteria that we have for uh, projects is, um, one, it needs to be either uh, VERA certified uh, or through Australian Clean Energy Regulator or UNFCCC certified. The project also have to, has to have some type of co-benefit. So what we mean by that is that it's got to meet some level of gold standard for sustainable goals. And what that means is that it provides employment to Indigenous community. It provides welfare and improves uh, the base needs of the local community. And that could be advocating for women's rights and women education programs, could be uh, clean water, it could be all these different things. There's a number of different um, additional community benefits that we look for. So we want to try and um, select projects that meet that criteria. Um, so we're not just about the offsets. It's all got to be uh, going back into the community somehow. So typically uh, in Australia, uh, Australian carbon credit units are notoriously a lot more expensive than what they are overseas. So what we try and do is we try and um, minimise the costs for our customers and we give exposure to uh, a number of Australian projects and international projects for every offset that they purchase. So what we do is we, we kind of carve up the, uh, the carbon credit. So some are split for Australian projects and some are split for um, international projects. Um, now, it's not easy to do that. Uh, so that's some of the stuff that we do. Um, but then that gives the, uh, the customer a lower cost base um, and it also gives them access to Australian projects here domestically and uh, other stuff overseas. Many of the conversations I have with customers is is about balancing this sort of the narrative around um, the perception that doing good here in Australia is is much more valuable uh, from a marketing point of view, I suppose, if anything else, than than doing good overseas. Although obviously carbon is a is a global issue, but then as you say, it's so much cheaper to do to work with projects that are overseas. So, so that's really interesting. So, but just coming on, moving on to that in terms of the optics and the communications around this, and and how people position, you know, being carbon neutral. I know you've got lots of thoughts around things that uh, how people should approach that conversation with their customers. Do you want to just share some of those th those things with us? Yeah, that, that's right. So uh, offsets is, is one way that uh, businesses can use to uh, to help them get to a carbon neutral status. And, but it's not an excuse, and it's not an excuse to be able to just do what you're currently doing without making changes, buy the offset, and then claim that you're carbon neutral. So. That comes under a term of what we call greenwashing. So um, what we've seen over, uh, I'd say, probably the last three to four months, uh, there has been an increase in businesses um, getting a little bit of fear about talking about their climate action and talking about their sustainability initiatives purely because of this greenwashing word that's floating around. So um, there is a number of things that uh, businesses can do to uh, avoid being labelled with that and the messaging and the uh, the way it's actually marketed. And just to explain, um, I guess, greenwashing and what we've seen in uh, other cases is where larger businesses, let's say predominantly energy businesses that are notorious for carbon emissions, um, they may put in some money to uh, a climate project and then spend 70% of their marketing on advocating for that and promoting that. So they're appearing greener than what they really are. And so that, that's 
it, it's not it's not good, and it provides the wrong message to uh, the community. And when smaller businesses then talk about it, there's this element in people's heads of oh, they're just doing this. So we want to get away from that. And the way to do that is that um, businesses that, that genuinely want to do something good for the planet is it just needs to be demonstrable. And it, you can't go from zero to hero overnight. It's a journey. And our communication to businesses and when we help them is that you need to start somewhere and it's a progressive thing. So as you start to get understanding of your footprint and things that you do, you start to take action. And then over time, you'll get to that point of being carbon neutral. And then you'll be able to be talking about uh, your journey with your customers. And having some of that um, information, it's, it's about progress, not perfection. So what we're looking at is that if you're taking climate action, that's great. Be transparent. And if you don't hit a particular target, be transparent about it. No one's going to hit you over the head for saying, okay, I'm going to do 60% of my emissions. I'm going to, going to reduce and get to 58. I mean, it's just it, being transparent is just logical. Um, it provides trust in your brand. And it just enhances what you're doing. So there's a couple of things there. Um, so the other things is that you never overstate the action that you've taken. So if you're doing something and you're, plant, let's say you're, you're funding planting trees or you're funding projects or you're doing other sustainable things, just state what you're doing. Don't overstate what you're doing. And essentially um, using logos and, and certification marks and things like that before you ever use them just make sure that you have qualified for them. The last thing you want is to put, we're verified carbon neutral, and the ACCC does a scan and says, okay, find, find your, your verified carbon neutral, prove it, and then you've got nothing to back it up. So just be real, be truthful about it, be transparent about it, and understand that it's a journey and that you're not going to get it perfect, and you just need to talk about that. Yeah, I, lo I love that so much. Uh, it literally makes the the hair stand off my arms uh, hearing you say that. That you, you've used a couple of trigger words for me in that in that little talk. There, one is one is it's a journey, uh, and one is transparency. And and both those things we talk about a lot um, inside sustainable e commerce in our in our marketing playbook because they are absolutely key. Being transparent, being open with your customer base about the journey that you're on and the pitfalls and the twists and turns that you're taking to get there is a critical thing if you want people at the end of the journey or along the journey to actually believe what you're saying. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're sort of blasting the trumpets and going, ah, we've done this, then, then there's a certain element of uh, BS that might get called along the way. Whereas if you're showing the progress as you go and the little milestones and you're sharing that with your community of customers, that is a very powerful place to be. And people will absolutely root for you along the way when you do hit a couple of uh, speed bumps. Um, so I love that you said that. So thank, thanks for sharing that. So, so Richie, how do people, if, if, if people are wanting to get on this this wagon of getting towards uh, carbon neutrality, how can they work with you and what does that process look like? Yeah, so as, as we kind of said right at the beginning is that we really want to make this really simple for businesses. So, and a lot of what we do, there's no obligation, right? So what we try to do here is that we offer free tools. So the whole point is education. It's getting businesses aware first and then we let them make their decision and we're happy to provide assistance and advice and just to help businesses along. So uh, the best way to do it is that they can either call us on, on our phone number that's on our site uh, or they can go to um, 
carbonhalo.com. If they select the business tab there, they scroll down a little bit, there will be a uh, an estimate calculator. Start with that. And there's no obligation. You don't have to put anything in. It's just, just use it, see if you're happy with it. Next to it is a, a more detailed calculator, which you'll need to spend probably about 30 minutes on. Uh, again, there's no obligation. You don't need to put any details. You can use it and see what it comes out to be. If you want to take it further, great. You can contact us through the contact button on our uh, on our site and one of our team will then give uh, the business a call and just talk about what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and then we can structure a plan for you if you need to, give you some advice on what you need to look at. You've already got a baseline measurement that you can use uh, and we can take it from there. We can help you look at uh, different areas, give you advice on how to how to reduce or how to avoid emissions. Uh, and then if you want to go to a certified level, fine, we can do that for you as well. Very easy way to to get involved. And, and, and I would encourage, you know, everyone, even if it's a point of interest and you're not quite ready to to take the journey, go and check out the the carbon calculator on, on Carbon Halo. It's, it's pretty cool. Very easy to use. Like like Richie said, there's just three three little uh, pieces of information that it needs to to, to calculate what your likely for current footprint actually is. And, and that'll give you a starting point. And it's, it, you know, if nothing else, it goes, okay, you can put that up on your wall and go, right, how do we, how do we get this down? So appreciate you putting those free tools together, Richie. It's very, very helpful. And um, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. So firstly, as I've mentioned on the show way back in episode seven, on your pathway to carbon neutral or even net zero, think of carbon credits only as a means of offsetting emissions you simply can't solve yet. Plastering over the cracks by buying carbon credits without making actual changes to reduce your emissions is not going to help us get where we need to be because fundamentally the emissions are still being produced. Now, with that said, on your pathway to carbon neutral, first take stock of where your emissions lie in your business. Richie's rule of thumb in that your emissions will be where you're spending money is a good one. If your brand is anything like the brands that I've built in the past, you're probably mostly in scope one and three, depending on how you manufacture and more than likely heavily weighted towards scope three, which is obviously the up and downstream supply chain. Unfortunately, that makes it extremely difficult for you to get carbon neutral without help. It's much more complicated than just swapping out your energy supplier or popping in some LED downlights in your office, although you should still go ahead and do those things. But it's good to know that there are people like Carbon Halo that can actually help you on this journey. Obviously, a lot of the work that we do here at Sustainable Commerce is about messaging. And I love Richie's take on how to handle your messaging around the carbon neutral initiatives. I 100% believe in this being a journey, and I think you must market it that way. If you get carbon neutral certification via something like Climate Active, that's awesome and you should definitely promote it. But don't overstate your achievements. And also don't take the fanfare and trumpets approach once it's all done. The more transparent you can be along the way, and you may have heard me refer to that part as active transparency, the more authentically your achievements will be received in the end. So next step, get straight over and get your free footprint estimation done by Carbon Halo. And if you're ready to start this journey, there we go, I said it again, then chat with them about how they can actually assist you. I hope all that was helpful. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.